Evidence and Answers. Great mystery surrounds the Shroud of Turin. Is the image on this shroud the real image of Jesus Christ? Or is it a fake? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is a popular teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Every week, Pat and his friends provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ. This week, we're listening to another one of the exciting messages taken from our recent Hawaii Apologetics Conference. Each year, Pat hosts this conference, which features some of the premier Christian scholars and apologists from around the nation. Our theme this year was Evidence of Life Beyond the Grave and featured keynote speakers, Dr. Gary Habermas and Dr. Ron Rhodes. Today, we will hear part one from a study entitled The Shroud of Turin, History or hoax, taught by Dr. Gary Habermas. Without delay, let's listen in as Dr. Gary Habermas presents the facts and the secrets on the Shroud of Turin. If you had waited in line at various expositions of the Shroud, you could have stood there for eight hours to get inside a cathedral in northwestern Italy, the city of Turin, and you might have seen the shroud line horizontally this way in a case, fireproof and bulletproof, and you might look at that and say, unbelievable. Did I wait eight hours to see that? <laughs> that looks like one of those Rorschach tests that the psychologist gave me last year when I was all messed up. No. You go, man. Looks like a jigsaw puzzle or something. What is this? But I mean, come on, you waited in line for eight hours, so you gotta do something, so you start snapping pictures, right? So I may not like these later, but I'll just, digital photos are good, right? All right, so you, you get them home, and you look at what you took, and in your memory, this is what you saw, but your camera says it saw this. You say, wait a minute. I saw that, but your camera says that. One of the first interesting things about the shroud is that there is a right-left light darkness reversal. This was discovered way back in 1898 by an Italian photographer named Secunda Pia. He used the old kind of flash where he took the glass plates out and develop them, and when this man was looking at him, he thought, you know, what in the world do I have? Nobody had seen this before. That's what he saw. That's what he had. This is what happens when you put the two side by side. Now notice, on your left, lower left-hand corner. Well, let's start with the upper left-hand corner. That's the picture you saw a moment ago, a face, a chest, Crossed hands, feet going off the picture, back of the head, back, all the way down, feet going off the picture. But it's flipped in for end over here, face, feet, back of the head, feet. It's flipped in for end, and those things which are dark are now light, and vice versa. For example, the cheeks look white. The cheeks over here, which is what you saw with your naked eye, are dark. Down the nose, 
is light, dark. What looked like, who knows, maybe bloodstains on the right, are white over here. And notice that wrinkle, because we need to talk about this wrinkle. It's very, very important, going across the picture. Okay, so these are some oddities about the shroud. Oddities don't prove anything. They're just odd. But right away, they tell us we're looking at something that's not your normal archaeological artifact. There are hundreds of burial garments in existence, hundreds of burial garments, and none of them have body images like this. Some of them have blood stains, some of them have decomposition, but not an image. And those are images. That's a body image. Usually I have a pen in my pocket. I don't hear. But if you picture the shroud, if this is a human body lying horizontally, the shroud is a 14-foot, 3-inch cloth wrapped around the body this way. And when you open it, and the pen would fall out, the body would fall out. It opens up. And just like you saw there, the top of the head and the face are not right together. So apparently the cloth was looped. And the feet, bottoms of the feet, top of the feet, are at opposite ends of the cloth. That's what happens when you wrap it like this. Three feet, seven inches wide, 14 feet, three inches long. I include this photo for a reason. This is a 16th century painting. I said, all right, so why'd you do that? To show you that even in the 16th century, the shroud opened up on the top, had an image. And down below, that's a good rendition of how the body was situated. Now notice the man on the far left, one of the man, men doing the burial, notice the head and neck are on his upper leg. There's a reason for that. And if I don't tell you, if I forget to tell you, there's so many things you have to remember to tell people. Catch me afterwards, but I think we'll get there. I just don't want to get ahead of time where you don't have a perspective in which to, uh, to place it. Okay. Now, some people say, yeah, it seems to me I heard that the shroud was carbon dated, and it's medieval. It's correct. It was dated in three laboratories, Switzerland, Arizona, and Oxford University. In fact, I was in Oxford when the date was revealed, and one of my students from Christ Church, sounds like a church, but it's the most prestigious of the colleges at Oxford University, they said, didn't you hear? The shroud is a fake. Well, I'd already written a book on the shroud by that time. My co-author, Ken Stevenson, was one of the scientists who was there for the investigation in 1978, of which you'll see a lot of photos. And I thought, oh, the evidence for this thing's incredible. How could it be a fake? They said, well, the carbon-14 said it was a fake. Now, I'm not answering the question here of whether we can trust carbon-14 and so on. This, this artifact is not so old. Usually we say carbon-14 only works back to a certain date. They can't go back forever and ever. That's the problem. This isn't old enough to be affected by that kind of argument. But this chemist, he was the chief chemist on the Shroud of Turin team, Raymond Rogers, Los Alamos Laboratory, University of California, and he wrote an article called Studies on the Radiocarbon Sample in the Shroud of Turin, published in the Secular Chemical Journal, Thermochemica Acta, 2005. Now, 
People might say, well, he's just one of those prejudiced guys that believes in miracles. Really? The abstract at the beginning of the article, which tells you what's in the article, and right at the beginning of the article, he starts like this. Dr. Rogers says, don't give me any baloney about miracles. I can't stand that talk. This is science. We're not talking supernatural. I'm talking about an artifact. I'm a chemist. I put these threads under a microscope, and here's what I saw. This is from the abstract. In 1988, they did some testing on the shroud, and the shroud was dated to between 1260 and 1390 with a 95% accuracy projected. And this prompted questions about the validity of the sample. Why? Because there's a whole lot of tests run on the shrouds, thousands of scientific photos taken in 1978, and all the evidence points to something quite extraordinary. Only the carbon-14 over on the negative side. He said, well, a lot of people just wondered what's going on here. Preliminary estimates indicate a much older cloth. Now, in my copy here, the top of that's in black, so you get a perspective. The bottom of it I highlighted in red. And here's what Dr. Rogers says. Observations prove that the radiocarbon sample was not part of the original cloth on the Shroud of Turin. The radiocarbon date was thus not valid for determining the true age of the shrub. But what do you mean? That sounds pretty easy. Well, he's a chemist. And what he did was, he took, he had sample threads, because he was part of the 1978 investigation. So he had threads from the cloth, and he had a thread from the 1988 carbon-14. He put them together under a microscope, and he goes, look, I don't know what you're looking at. I'm not arguing anything religious or anything else. I'm just telling you, these two cloths are not the same. It's a black-white chemical conclusion. They are not the same. His hypothesis was that what they took off the cloth and dated in 1988 was a sample that was 60% whatever date the shroud originally is and 40% a medieval patch. Now, you're going to see some patches on here. In fact, those are patches. You see the burn marks up and down? The shroud was in a fire. Right next to the burn marks are like different shaped. Those are patches. Now, you'd say, well, someone would be pretty stupid if they thought that that was the shroud image. Okay, but there's different kinds of patches. There's different kinds of weaves. Uh, let me give you an example. You go to church tomorrow, you come home, you've always told your son to change his clothes before he goes out and plays. He gets involved in a baseball game, he's sliding in second base, and he puts a hole in his church pants. Now, you've got a choice. His best church pants either become his baseball pants, or, and that's when you get an iron-on patch, that's the kind you see up and down the shroud, or you go to the store, try to match the color, get a thread, and do what's called an invisible weave. And you get in there and you do this, and you have gray pants, gray thread, still is church pants. Okay. Both kinds of repairs are on the cloth. Rogers is basically saying they got a partial original date for the shroud, whatever it is, and partial invisible weave. Not the big kind of iron-on patches, but the little kind of careful weave. And you go, well, how does he know that? All he's arguing, it's a very basic argument, all he's arguing is these two threads are different, chemically, under an electron microscope. It's not that hard of an argument. And he said, so unfortunately, they dated 
a partially medieval cloth and thought it was the real thing. Let me give you two sets of arguments why in 1988 it's not 1260 to 1390. Why is that? Now, the first argument is an argument from art history. And it appears that many of our paintings of Jesus, what have come to be recognized as paintings of Jesus, were copied from this cloth. Okay. Now, I'm not jumping to conclusions here. That doesn't prove anything about the shroud. Certainly doesn't prove it's Jesus. It looks like it proved that some people thought it was Jesus, but it doesn't prove it's Jesus. But why does that help us say the shroud cannot be 13th century? All right. First of all, let's notice some odd things about paintings. And I've got a few of them here for you. But for starters, notice the man buried in the shroud has a long, what looks like a very slender nose. Well, one reason it looks like that is because there's a blood stain right at the bottom of it, and that makes the nose look longer. But the artist, believing that's Jesus, gives him a long, slender nose. The eyes look very large, and so we have to give Jesus large eyes because that's Jesus, so therefore the painter believes. So we have to give him large eyes. The hair is parted down the middle, comes down both sides. That's part the hair down the middle, it comes down both sides. Now you can't see it, it's off the picture here. But the hair on the right side disappears behind the shoulder, and on the left side, it comes further down. Well, that's Jesus. So, got to have the hair exactly the same way. Now, my favorite two items are the forehead. Looks like the man in the shroud has a V-shaped mark right here. Who knows what it is? Could be a watermark, something else. V-shaped mark right here. But I mean, if this is Jesus, we've got to put a V-shaped mark between his eyes. Don't ask me what it is. We've got to put a V-shaped mark. So he paints. It's hard for you to see because of the lighting of the photo, but there's a V-shaped mark between his eyes. And then you got the beard down here. Now take a close look at that beard. The beard looks like a short, double-pointed beard, and it looks like the opening is a little off-center. Can you see that? The little part that comes down on, the, on his left side is in line with his nose, and the opening is a little bit to one side. Well, we believe that's Jesus, so we're going to give him an opening in the beard, and we're going to make it a little bit off-center. Now, there's some lines going on the throat down here, especially the one way down, just above the brown border. Well, if there's a line there, we have to copy, because this is the real thing. So the artist, if you can see it, has two lines across the throat. Put lines in there, line in there. That's Jesus. Now, you could say, well, how do you know the guy who made the shroud didn't copy off the painting? Because the marks on the shroud are explainable as a fold in the cloth or what's the triangle. But an artist by himself would not normally put a triangle between the eyes, an off-center beard, and lines across the throat below the marks of the beard. So it looks like, all we're showing is this, it looks like the painter thinks he's painting the face of Jesus. That's what it looks like. Here's another one. You don't see all the same marks, but notice the large eyes, the long slender nose, the hair parted in the middle, the hair disappears behind the right shoulder, comes down past the left shoulder. Now, that there's no little opening in the beard, but it's a short beard, 
And of course, since there's marks across Jesus' neck, we've got to put marks across our painting. And you can't see it because of the light, but there's a triangle between the eyes. This is the very famous painting of Christ at St. Catherine's Monastery, south of Jerusalem. And this dates to the 6th century A.D. 6th century A.D. If this painter is painting the shroud and believes it's Jesus, and it's a 6th century painting, guess what? The shroud does not date from the 14th century A.D. So that's the value of the art history argument. It does not prove the shroud to be the burial ground of Jesus. Far from it. It shows the painter thought it was, but that's beside the point. But if the painting's in the 6th century, the shroud is not 14th century, right? You all, get, you all follow me? The shroud can't be almost 1,000 years after the guy that painted the shroud. Now, these are my favorite photos in the, in the art history argument. What you have here is the Shroud of Turin in the middle, lower slide. Now, it's made to have a golden color so that the pictures look the same. That's not the color of the shroud. This is one of several Roman coins, the first coins in the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, the first coins to bear the face of Jesus. And they're pretty cool because it, for sure it's Jesus. And it says around the edge, different ones say different things, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice the cross behind his head there. Now, he's alive here. He's not on the cross, but notice little markers that would tell you this is Jesus. Now, in our culture today, if nobody's seen a picture of you since high school, and a 7-Eleven is robbed, and you show up on the 7-Eleven video, and you're 22 now, how do they know that you at 22 are the same as you at 18? Well, you need somewhere between 40 and 70 points of congruence between the two photos to stand up in a court of law. Between the shroud face and the coin, what we've done over here in the upper right is lay the shroud over the coin, overlay the shroud on the coin. Now, there's different coins, so the number's going to be different. But there's between 70 and 200 points of congruence between the two images between 70 and 200 points of congruence. This is actually a gold coin. It's very, very small, smaller and thinner than our dime. I know one of the scientists in the team, a retired Duke University Medical School professor, he's got one of these. He had somebody find it for him, probably paid a pretty good fee, but he's got one of these little tiny coins. They're still around, it's in real good shape. And these coins are minted between about 690 and 710 A.D. There's several of them. One of them, for example, is called the Trimesis. Between 690 and 710. Once again, if somebody's painting, or, or making the image on the coin, rather, and believing that to be Jesus, and there's between 70 and 200 marks when 40 to 70 proves congruence. 70 to 200, it shows that they probably had this in front of them. Notice, if you can see from where you are, notice the triangle between the eyes. Notice the hair in the middle. Notice the hair disappears between, behind the right shoulder, comes out further on this side. I love that short beard. And notice the two lines across the throat. You all see that? 
two lines across the throat. Here's the shroud image. What do you see down at the bottom? Two lines across the throat. This is incredible. But if the shroud was around, it's the only point I'm trying to make, if the shroud was around in 700, it can't be a 14th century artifact. That's all I'm saying. doesn't prove it's Jesus. These coins have just been for a long time. This painting has been around for a long time. And they're very, very, very much pre-shroud. What, what the shroud's supposed to be from carbon-14. By the way, I said there were two arguments. The shroud has been redated. Hasn't even been a full year. Last Easter, the news broke. It was done in an Italian university, a laser optics division or something like that, but they dated it. And guess what? The shroud image is first century, plus or minus 250 years. First century AD, plus or minus 250 years. There's been another dating of the shroud that nobody heard much about. It was quiet because they didn't get permission for the dating. It was done in the 80s, 1980s. And they got two ends of one thread. One was 70 AD, plus or minus. And the other one was 30 AD, plus or minus. But the guy who did the testing, I talked to people who were involved in the testing. The 70 end, he said, the scientist said, I trust the 30 end because there's some junk on the 70 end that I couldn't purify. I couldn't get it off the cloth. I couldn't purify the sample. So it looks like the shroud ballpark could be the real thing. Hard to say. This doesn't prove anything so far. Over the right eye of the man in the shroud, there's some difference among scientists about this. Some say yes, some say no. But the image in the right eye with image enhancement looks very much like there's an object over the eye. You're going to be able to see this clearly in later photos. This is a Jewish leptin. And on your left there, there's a staff, some Greek lettering, and this is similar to the widow's mite. And this picture on your right, I'll just have to make sure we have the same side here. On your right is a close-up of the right eye of the man in the shroud. On your left, one of those leptins. Now, what I'm looking at here, this could also, I admit, this could look like one of those scientific tests. That may or may not be a staff on your right. But look at the letters up there, transliterated into English. It looks like U-C-A-I. You all see that? U-C-A-I. Now, they're actually those who think this is what you're looking at are now up to seven letters. See the other little squiggly things above the U-C-I, around it? What you're looking at in Greek is part of the name Tiberius Caesar. And this coin, if it's what it appears to be, if, not everyone's agreed, if it's what it appears to be, is a leptin of Pontius Pilate, minted between 29 and 32 AD. But we have a problem. Josh McDowell's a friend of mine. But years ago, he published an essay, and he said, if this is Tiberius Caesar, we have a problem because his name is misspelled. What looks like a C should be a K. And Josh teasingly said, they were probably drunk when they struck this if they misspelled their emperor's name. Okay, that's cute. Guess what? Since then, 
A half dozen more leptins have been discovered with that same misspelling of Tiberius Caesar's name. Now it's like, whoops, may or may not be. But there are a number of researchers who believe you're looking at a leptin of Pontius Pilate, 29 to 32 AD, that's the right eye of the man on the shroud on your right. All right. Oh, by the way, I don't have my slide here on this tonight, but there are also a number of pollens found on the shroud. Now, pollens are interesting. The shroud has not been out of southwestern Europe for its entire history that we know. Since the mid-Middle Ages, it's been in France, Switzerland, uh, Italy. We've run out of time for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Gary Habermas's study on the Shroud of Turin. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. Log on to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available to you. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. Join us here next week for part two of this exciting study with Dr. Gary Habermas.